0: Welcome to the elephant in the room, made by Bybora, and um, I'm Bora. We're gonna talk about the elephants in the room in our industry, in the textile industry, in the design industry, from the yarn suppliers, machine suppliers, to the manufacturers that work together with the brands and the designers. And how are we gonna do it better? How are we gonna make sure that we move in a good direction and transparent direction and sustainable direction and you're going to hear it all here. Uh, We're going to start straight from Milan, Milan Design Week 2023. Hope you enjoy it and thank you for listening. This is The Elephant in the Room, episode 8.
1: Good morning. Hello. My name's Lauren, I'm the head of digital at Frame, an Amsterdam-based spatial, pa- spatial design uh, platform across channels, so magazine, digital, books, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm here today to moderate a talk about um, the supply chain and more specifically, collaboration and co-design within the supply chain, which is, you know, uh, two big terms for creatives, but it's also very important to talk about what that means in the commercial scope and what it means for bigger companies and how stakeholders can ultimately come together in a more productive, creative, and fair way. And before we get into it, I'd like to introduce um, this lovely team sat here with me. Um, Francesco Magri is a regional manager of Europe at Woolmark. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Woolmark, part of the textile industry. It's a global authority on wool. And Saul Nash, a menswear designer based in London, he started his brand in 2018 and uh, actually got a Walmart prize.
2: Yeah, I I won it last year, (laughs) the International Walmart prize.
1: Yeah, congratulations. So nice, nice pairing you two. And uh, Eva Monaccini, who is a part of D-House, she's a coordinator for Research and Design, Innovation and Sustainability in Fashion. Hi. And uh, Florian Mingram from Gross Becker, which makes uh, industrial needles and uh, other uh, super important parts for textile businesses. So, like I said, collaboration. We talk about it every day, but it actually is more. It's it's bigger than just um, a brand coming together with a designer to put out a product. It's bigger than uh, a company collaborating with another company thousands of miles away to bring um, it, yeah, to bring new technologies to the forefront. It's actually about connecting users, consumers, with designers, with companies, with uh, the producers in supply chains to ultimately create, uh, as I said earlier, a a more fair and uh, ultimately transparent and traceable industry. And today we will be talking about um, what path toward uh, that kind of collaboration looks like, because there's a far way to go in becoming this um, better industry. And as we've discussed over the past two days here, um, it actually is a complex system, but as with most things, only can really improve with, uh, with teamwork and the creativity of like minds, and at the same time, unlike minds. So I'd like to start by asking um, from your many different perspectives, what greater collaboration within the textile industry could really mean for ultimately improving the system?
3: Well, actually, Woolmark is—I mean, most of you know—know Woolmark. Woolmark is a non profit company that uh, has as a mission, you know, to uh, work with the entire industry. So, collaborations are, are probably one uh, of our one main tasks. And uh, um, actually, uh, we we say from farm to to fashion because uh, really we start uh, from from the farms in Australia and we finish in in uh, in a. In a finished product in a, in a in fashion. So collaboration uh, are for us, uh, as I said, the main task. And honestly, um, I'm working in a company for, for 10 years and we collaborated with most uh, of the fashion brands, of the suppliers, the biggest suppliers worldwide. And uh, we, um, we have seen that uh, when you start connecting, uh, uh, the supplier with uh, with the uh, with the fashion brands or with the final products uh, you can uh, at that time uh, uh, create um, a special uh, a special system that is helping each other the the supplier uh, the manufacturers and the brands in finding the best solution not only in terms of quality of the product but also for uh, uh, all the all the values uh, you know that the the brands are are trying to inject into the product. So not only the taste, the design and what the consumer wants, but also in terms of uh, sustainability, responsibility. So we are helping uh, to make a connection between uh, what is the best solution for uh, finding the right fibre, the more uh, uh, circular fibre, uh, sorry, the most circular fiber, the most recyclable fiber that, that the brands are asking. So we we have seen that uh, when you uh, really make the the pipeline, the supply chain talking to each other, everything is uh, is really uh, happening. So um, our job is is like a glue, you know. So we connect all the different parts of the supply chain. And uh, we found uh, that uh, working with, with fashion brands, they really increased the responsibility, the sustainability of the final products. So it's something that we should talk more. There's one thing that uh, uh, probably we are now, we are now, the, we are now uh, uh, you know, um, we realize in the market that uh, we, we, we help the brands to have more circular products that is not. The must, you know, so long-lasting and wool is the, 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 the queen fiber of long-lasting fiber. Uh, but when you talk about circular, then you say, well, how can make this, you know, really circular, you know, I wear this, where do I bring my jumper to, to make it circular, you know? So that's the other piece of the pipeline that we have to look at. So we need to understand not only, we need to help not only to connect the suppliers to the brands, but then we need to think about the aftermarket. So that's probably the next challenge because we're talking about circularity, but we are missing a piece of the ring. So there is where we need to collaborate, not only with the pipeline of the fashion product, but also with the aftermarket, let's say. So that's our challenge now.
1: So, what's your perspective on oh, the other side of this?
3: For, for me, it's
2: quite interesting because I've kind of benefited from working with Walmart and then partnering me with partners I'd never be able to work with. Um, and I guess for me as a designer, access is really important to these suppliers to be able to collaborate. Um, like, I have an idea, but in order to kind of innovate my idea, I need to be able to work with someone that can help me push it or develop it on a bigger scale. So when you do find uh, suppliers who are really open to work with you on that scale, it really changes things because they're open to your suggestions. Often, like my brand, it's scaling up, but it's not a huge brand, so... Um, that access point is really difficult because, you know, why should they prioritize your innovation or your push for sustainability over like a bigger brand like Adidas or, or Nike? So um, when you do find those, um, those. Suppliers who are willing to kind of work with you—it's really amazing what you can achieve together. Like a good example is Eva and Corolla. I'd never be able to have used the Santoni knitting machines if, if it wasn't for the partnership with them. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's also the openness from the suppliers to create that collaboration. Um, because particularly for small designers like myself, um, without that openness, there's no way to kind of test new things or innovate them. I think. A lot of suppliers are used to kind of working with the same thing. Um, right. Then when there's the openness, you can introduce something new into the market.
1: You asked this question about why uh, these suppliers should ultimately work with smaller skill uh, designers and brands when they could easily have access to, to bigger ones. What would your answer to that be?
2: Well, how would I understand. You, How would you sell that to them? Well, I understand it takes a lot of time um, to develop and resources to develop things with smaller brands. Um, But I think in terms of like ideas or things that have never been done, when I was in college, they'd always say, oh, there's a reason that's never been done because of the money or the time it takes. But I don't really like that excuse. I think there is a way to test new things. And sometimes it's the happy mistakes or the surprises that actually could innovate and change the industry that we work in. So, yeah, that, that's ha- what I'd say to them.
1: Do you have
4: a... Yeah, yeah, no. basically, um, since uh, I had the pleasure to work both with the WOMO company and to, with Sol, um inside the house, the Urban laboratory, we kind of embrace, I think, all these, uh, these topics because we understood coming from manufacturing world that there were a kind of a gap between who was producing technologies and between the designers that wanted to kind of embrace and step up and uh, understand how technologies works and how to connect material with technological application. So um, the role of the urban laboratory that we have in Milan is uh, is basically to embrace all these partners that come from material representatives or production and embrace technological partners that produces technologies in order to understand which is the connection between a certain kinds of material, fibers or uh, new material and um, how this can be combined with new technologies or technologies that already exist but perhaps need to step up a bit in order to achieve a certain kinds of standard or to become more uh, sustainable and more uh suitable also for small companies and and designers that are kind of entering the worlds of of fashion and lifestyle um, just now. So um, this is kind of different between the actual manufacturing world for big scale production, but it's something needed because otherwise you stay stick to what exists already, and you don't really open up the conversation with all the producers of machines and materials. And um, the way to develop uh, the future, we think is collaboration, as uh, Francesco said, because otherwise every every reality stays stick to their ideas and doesn't really understand what's next and what's before in the supply chain. So being connected uh, to one, to each other, is. I think, and we think is kind of the key to develop
1: something new and and something also accessible and valuable. Do you think there are ways to optimize the matchmaking process between stakeholders, connecting companies and designers and brands and suppliers? it, It is exactly,
4: it's a kind of translation, I mean, we th- we, we have a kind of uh, um, position into the supply chain that actually helped us to understand what's the market want, what the designer needs, and uh, what which are the challenges from producers, both of materials and and technologies. So perhaps we can translate the needs uh, and this is uh, a little bit of the key in order to obtain uh, solutions. Because always designers search for solutions and the responsibility of the manufacturing world is to provide solution by asking what is sustainable not only in a in in the common way we understand, but also in in a way that it's holistically understanding, Mm
1: -hmm. understandable. What do you think some of the biggest challenges are in in accessing these larger players?
2: I think um, it could also be to do with minimums. Like, you know, when you're gonna select a fabric, often a fabric which might be most sustainable, the minimums are so high Mm -hmm. that you can't justify you know, ordering that much material to create your collection. I think that's what's beautiful about knitwear is you have this ability to kind of vary the colours, innovate materials in your own way, but then um, to to a kind of degree or within a batch that suits your brand needs. Um, And that's why I'm super grateful to have met the Walmart company Mm -hmm. um, because the moment I kind of implemented knitwear into my range, It it helped me create a product that could compete with my cut and sew product, um, but to the minimums that I I needed. And I think that's the issue whenever I'm researching or my team are looking at sustainable materials. They they always say, oh, we love that, but we can't get it because we can't get the minimums. So we we have been lucky to find some suppliers that really want to work with us because they believe in what we're doing. Um, and that's really exciting because that's when we're able to access and I guess exp- experiment with materials that we've never been able to do. Um, like even with D-House, we did our first bonded jacket, mm-hmm. which yeah, happened because of the Walmart company. So, yeah.
4: We connected yeah. the dots. So
3: <laughs> we are the social fashion, I don't know what yeah. to call it. We are connecting people. Yeah. But, but it's true, I mean, what was so say, I mean, we, we work with everyone you know, with all the suppliers worldwide, with all the brands. And I wouldn't say everyone, I tell you from fashion to to, to sport, to to interior, you know. And there is a clear signal that uh, uh, now everything is going into more quality, more flexibility than volumes. So that's why many, many of the brands we seek in the market are switching the supply chain from the Far East to Europe. So we are working with Portugal, for 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 example, because uh, we see there's a great need, especially in the Nordics. I mean, I've been in the Nordics a few weeks ago in Copenhagen and talking to all the biggest brands in in the Nordics. They're looking for more flexibility, more uh, uh, minimum orders, more uh, uh, customization of the products. They cannot do that in in forest anymore, and so they are looking for new supply chains. And uh, what we are doing is, for example, in Portugal, we are working with the Portugal industry uh, for uh, um, helping them in, in the knowledge of using wool, for example, and then we will organize a workshop in Copenhagen for transferring this knowledge to to the brands. So what we need now is more organization. I don't want to say as yes, Woolmark, but similar to this kind of boomer organization that is connecting the brands, the designers, the supply chain, because not everyone knows everything.
1: You no, and ultimately to not be so isolated as a single entity, because that's not very productive for Association,
3: fashion, fashion chambers, right. or a trade trade organization, that's, right. they, they are playing the big role now.
2: Absolutely. And, and to the point of collaboration, um, every supplier that I've been connected with, Um, It's always been a kind of, uh, I guess, call and response design process. So I'd send them something, they'd respond with something and it's really helped me see things in my design process that I I wouldn't have seen had I not called upon their expertise. So I think it's essential that kind of um, ability to collaborate with suppliers on that level.
1: Definitely. Florian, um, how does supply chain collaboration work within uh, you know, your company, which is maybe more removed from the creative process and more concerned with uh, brand communication?
5: Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's also one of the challenges because the textile supply chain is quite long and can be very complex. So we have fiber manufacturers, spinning mills, fabric manufacturers, garment manufacturers and so on. And uh, as you say, it's uh, sometimes one part is very far away from the other one, so we need uh, people that can um, create a network and to 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 connect um, certain parts of the of the supply chain, and um, yeah, we have also started to um, to follow that path because we have also established the technology and development center, uh, which is. Um, yeah, also like a like a lab for, for, for different um, textile technologies for knitting, weaving, uh, for non-wovens, um, and we are also trying to um, yeah get the fiber manufacturers to get um, the brands. Um, coming to to the lab to to create something something new so there's also also for us uh, as a company which is quite far away from as you say the creative part we have also started to um, to work on that um, to, to to bring people together to bring different parts of the of the supply chain together
1: how do you think that will improve uh, your own operations
5: um, it definitely helps us to understand because um, the the supply chain, is, as I said, it's quite complex um, and it's very efficient, so each and every part is very efficient, um, so to tackle the let's select like the new challenges, for example, on CO2 footprint, sustainability, um, these different parts, they have to work together. So it, it's not possible for uh, for a single party to uh, to handle these kind of uh, challenges and yeah for us we are uh, we are learning um, we are getting closer to um, like the creativity part or um, getting closer to fiber manufacturers as we see of course our uh, tools are uh, in direct contact with the fiber so um, there is a close interaction and um, we can have each we can help each other to um, to make uh, better products um, better performing products and more sustainable products
1: definitely either I think you had something to share earlier right
4: yeah I think it's it's, it's actually a matter of combination of know-how that um permit to arrive at a certain point in which each part of the supply chain uh, kind of exchange with the other, with the next and with the previous, as we said before, uh, so that if we are all connected, we can really do something that is impactful and something that it's it's a, a, um, achievable also for the smaller brands and for uh, and with benefits to all. Mainly, because uh, each know-how from the other parts of the supply chain can help uh, the others. so if we are connected and if we share the know-how, this is, we think, the way in which we can arrive to a certain point in which everyone will do his part, but in a realistic way.:
1: Definitely. So we've talked a lot about this collaboration between company, brand, and designer, but user is also a really uh, important uh, part of the supply chain as well. Um, and ultimately has a relative control over the lifespan of a textile or a garment. You know, they're, they're the ones that get the product in hand and they're the ones who will either decide to do something with it after they, uh, they have exceeded their own use of it or, or not. So where do you think uh, users come into this, into the collaboration?
2: I think they're quite important because they have to put on whatever we produce or they have to wear it and it shapes them, their identity. Um, So I think they're very much essential, the user. Um, I think, I guess what I learned a lot um, from like creating the roadmap when I was part of the Walmart prize is that you have to kind of educate also the end user around, you know, what, what they do with this product um, because, you know, by throwing a wool um, sweater away, it doesn't really make sense. Like, there's other things that you could do with it to to give it a longer life. So, I think it's also about education um, and that's also the responsibility of, of the brand that sells it to them, to educate the customer around how to care for their product or... Um, even give them knowledge like I could put my hands up and say I've seen some things of mine going to the shop and I'm like wow that's made of full su- sustainable material and it wasn't communicated to the customer like I was slapping myself in the face but um, yeah it it's important that the, the the designer communicates to the retailers and the retailers communicate to the customer how um, they should care for the product or, you know, what it is exactly that they've, they're putting on and even to the extent of, you know, where it was manufactured and, and by who, yeah.
1: Right, well, it's interesting because this communication, this education is not really only about what happens in the commercial realm but also what happens uh, in an academic realm uh, with governments ultimately in control of certain curriculums and, and certain things that are that are offered to Students across ages. I mean, do you think there's a place for um, governments to become more active in ultimately educating future consumers, consumers about about products?
3: Education is is the key is really the, the, the key. It is like when you go to a restaurant, you want to eat something, you choose something because you know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know
1: Exactly. Yesterday we were actually speaking about nutrition and yeah. uh, the connection, you know, in, in the US where I'm from, there's, there's calorie reporting, there's regulation uh, about uh, knowing what your intake is, uh, calorie-wise. You know, some people pay attention, some people don't. But ultimately that information is there for people who... Uh, want to engage with it?
3: Exactly. So education is is the key. What me? I am a consumer, you know. So I'm working for a for a, for a business company like everyone. Uh, but at the same time, I am the first con- consumer of a part. I mean, when when I want to buy this, um, I bought this because uh, I I knew what it was, and uh, especially if um, if uh, 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 you know you. Regarding, regarding fashion, regarding products, it is important to explain to us, to the consumer, uh, what is a fiber. Uh, where is the fiber from? Which is the circularity of of uh, of the government, Which is the benefits? And there are two different roads. One is that the the government. So that's why, for example, the uh, EU is is doing uh, you know uh, you know the the path you know for uh, uh, giving a bit of rules about responsibility and sustainability. But the biggest role, <coughs> sorry, is, is played by by the brands. Because until a few years ago, everyone, you know, all the brands were talking about design and lifestyle. Now it is important that the brands teach, teach or explain or educate the consumer about the quality of the fiber. How? The key is the floor staff, for, 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 for example. When you go to a store, um, many times I am talking to the floor staff. I ask, which is the fiber? Um, I, I don't know. You know, so that's not a, a education, but uh, you know, it's is that final inch that is making the difference into the education to the consumer. So uh, that's why the brands should invest more in education of the floor staff in in the brick and mortar stores, but also in uh, in the website. You know, in the e- into the e-commerce. We are doing, for example, as Womark programs with uh, Benetton, with Ralph Lauren with Max Mara for educating the floor staff with specific meetings, specific tools for telling the floor staff how to, uh, you know, educate the consumer about the fibers. And
1: is that from um, an environmental impact uh, perspective or a human impact and the labor that goes behind these products?
3: But, both, you know, so, uh, uh, I mean, it, it is important because uh, uh, when me as a consumer, I I know that I cannot recycle this garment, not 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 this one because there's polyester in, you know. So I need to know exactly if this is recyclable or 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 not, and then what can. This looks
1: like right because maintenance, maintenance, a, uh, as you have it, is very important as well.
3: Yeah. So education is really the key of the future. Uh, we are talking about sustainability, responsibility. Too much greenwashing about this is natural, this is recyclable. Uh, Really, we need to explain to the consumer, to the industry, to the brands. So we need organization doing this kind of, of job. That's, we are doing some of this, but the governments have a great responsibility.
1: So as quite educated consumers then, what do you think about before you buy a product? Or what do you check? And what would your advice be to consumers who want to make more educated decisions? <laughs>
2: Well, personally, I check how it's manufactured. Like I look inside, I check all the seams um, and also I feel the quality of the material. And then I check, last I check the tag with the composition um, and I've caught myself when some of it's like a cotton blend or wool blend, I tend to not buy it. But I think that's just how my brain is programmed now to see the value in, in 100% natural materials. So to your point, I think value... Like, teaching the customer the value of what they're they're buying um, in the long run helps them to kind of, um, you know, not just throw something away, but really care for it. And
4: one thing is, uh, we collaborate with school a lot, as also Francisco said, and what is interesting in our kind of story is to understand that the students really don't know what they are wearing and they don't know how they are made because for example, from our perspective, technologies are everywhere in the construction of a garment, more or less. Uh, but even though you are wearing something that is laser-cutted, thermal welded, with an application on top, you don't know, because you don't ask yourself. So what we understood, uh, collaborating with the schools, and kind of having this exchange with the students that will be in the future, that are consumer, that will be consumer in the future, and that probably will be uh, designers in the future, or product developer, uh, to really focus on what I'm wearing, why I'm buying it, and why this is an added value as an object that has been created from nothing. Because ultimately, every time that you create something and you produce something and you design something, you create something from nothing and you add to the world a piece. So you have to ask yourself, as a designer before, as a manufacturer before, and as a consumer when you buy it, why I'm buying it and why I'm thinking about how to throw it away after why you don't want to keep it as grandma's uh, purse let's say that uh, so i think that this is the first uh, uh, hint to give to younger generation asking why basically why i'm having something why i'm producing something and how i did this and uh, what, which story you would like to give to these items in your story. It's a kind of emotional relationship with the objects, but it's ultimately what it creates affection, so you don't want to waste it,
1: basically, I think. Yeah, it's beautifully put. Thank you. Do you share this view?
5: Yeah, I, <clears throat> but I, I think that we need to, to help customers to understand and to make it easy to understand because we cannot expect from each and everybody that uh, he or she Dives deep into the manufacturing process of uh, of textiles because before I started working with Kurt Speckert, I didn't know what's the difference between knitting and weaving, um, and and so this is just the basic uh, basic knowledge. And 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 then when it comes to uh, sustainability, you need to um, learn about recycling processes, different materials, and so on. So I think, um, as you said, there's legislation, and there is. Um, maybe companies that can create universal kind of labels um for example that um could help to make it easier to um decide between good better and uh, not not so good no. let's say um yeah somehow i think it's 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 necessary to to support the customers
1: definitely and to bring it back to the food industry i mean there's so many parallels with the food industry but in the netherlands uh you know you make me think of this rating that's on food products of A, B, C, D, E, where, you know, if you're buying a bag of Doritos or something, you're gonna have an, an E or even an F product. I don't know if it goes that far, so don't quote me. Um, but, you know, it, that that information is ultimately there. I don't know if a, a C-rated product um, uh, that Kind of system would translate to the textile industry but it's uh, interesting to think about the implications there or even this garment has been made with a C rated technology or a c rated um, uh, or a b rated machine or something like this but'm oh, sorry I think
5: it, it would be of course uh, very complex to to make to make it uh, just that e- uh, easy and, 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 and simple but um, I, I think yesterday we also, or you said that during the, the panel that it would help because the the customer sees, okay, I can now buy a C <laughs> labeled a product and maybe next time um, the customer um, would go for a B rated. It's one step. Uh, so it would, it's not the it, whole it, picture. It would be a exactly. step. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm interested also, Eva, what you said, this this connection that you make between uh, emotion and, and really putting um, value into a, a product that way. Um, I think in many design circles, participation has become much more important, participatory design, and really getting users involved in design processes, and also um, just in creative visualizing things like this. So I'm wondering, um, Ultimately, if you think that user-driven design will come to the textile industry and what implications that might have.
4: I think this push the boundaries of the pushing the boundaries of personalization for sure could be the future because you can kind of co-create what you would like to wear. And, and this means that you will put your effort into it, so you feel that it's something your, really truly your. And perhaps you go for value, so you go for less but with more added added value, added value, value and this means that you will take care of this item and perhaps you are more willing to pay for it because you understand the efforts, you understand the quality, you understand the fibers, you understand what's in it. Uh, so perhaps this is the way to involve in having the relation with the objects and to uh, create more thoughtfully. Uh, And and this means that I can pay more, perhaps, because everyone is fairly renowned for the work, and even though I don't have 10 pieces, but I have three, but these three pieces represents me, and the designer helped me in create what I had in my mind, because I'm, I'm a user, but... Uh, I think that this could be the future. Designing and co-designing and for sure personalising.
2: I think that there's definitely a place for that because um, the consumer goes to the designer because they like specific aesthetics and what's exciting I guess in co-creation, like from the examples I've seen out there, is um, you still can embody the aesthetic of the design house but you can I guess work with them and have the choice within it on on your colours or a good example is like Nike ID, this this idea that like it's a silhouette that they're renowned for but you can select exactly the colours you want as a consumer and I think when you buy something like that you value it more because it's yours, it's your thing and you know it does it's not really driven by a trend because you've created this thing and you know, it, it's a unique object. So I think that's what's quite exciting about co-design is that you, the consumer can create quite a unique object with, with the designer or the supplier, um, which they really value and they take away. Um, it's not just a trend thing that they buy buy once and then right. it's gone with the season.
1: Yeah, and I mean these customization po- possibilities are are pretty widespread in industrial design. So why not fashion design? Why not um, why not you know in a Broadway textile design? I guess Bybora is obviously making that much more possible. So nice work by Bora. Yes. Um, <laughs> and got
2: one up. in my studio, <laughs>
3: um,
1: I uh, yeah. So it's uh, it seems like a great thing. So what will it take for companies to bite?
3: Well, actually, the the customization now is uh, is more possible than years ago, you know, because of the technology. So we have uh, we have the opportunity of having unique technologies, and in the house we have big examples. But also the technology of the connection, you know, the. uh, the digital connection between the the consumer and the designer. Now there is a direct relationship. I mean, I remember in the past, uh, uh, some years ago, you know, where you had to pass through the media, like Vogue or this kind of magazine. Now the the designer have uh, the designer brands. They have direct comments on Instagram directly from the consumers. You know, so they they know exactly now in real time which are the consumer needs. And as 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 a consumer now, we are looking for. Also in the past, we were talking about happiness. You know, looking for the happiness. We are looking for comfort, for the comfort zone. You know, so the comfort zone is feeling good with environments. It's feeling good as a, as a shape, you know, or, or a, or a, or a designer. So we want to express which is our comfort zone. And now digitally, we can talk directly to, to the brands, you know, to, but not only to the small brands, also to Dolce Gabbana and Gucci, you know, some from the small to the big ones. So there, there is a really now that we are lucky as a brand, not me, not because I'm not a brand, but you are lucky as a brand, be, be because in real time you can have you know you can understand what the what the consumer wants have valued feedback and, yeah you yeah. know direct yeah. feedback bad yeah. bad or good you know so everything is, uh, is is in the past it was not like that you had to pass through the buyers of of a store you know talking to the buyers what do you think that the consumer wants you know now is uh, is really more. Uh, so thanks to the digital tools, uh, now there is a, a great involvement of consumer in, into fashion, and that's good, that's good, I think.
1: So I think one of the biggest hurdles to overcome, right, is with, with this, is that companies are hesitant to share everything about their operations because there's some some big elephants in the room that they have to, to deal with. So what do you think can help encourage this more transparent attitude? What's, going to, what's it gonna take for them to really say, hey, okay, we wanna open our doors, we wanna admit there are some things we really need to fix here, but we have a, a proactive attitude?
4: I think it's something that brands cannot really hide anymore. So the conversation is open, it's wide open. Uh, so we, every, every actors in the supply chain has a role, And the role is to support the brands in order to explain what is possible to achieve in the moment and be truly transparent to what is not ready yet but could be done in the future if we we collaborate all together. So um, I think that if each actor takes responsibility for his steps and collaborate with the next, um, the admission is it's already here, so it's, it's be truly sincere about the situation and, uh, and uh, stated, okay, we are aware there is something that needs to be done and uh, we are kind of committed in doing something now and is a, a journey, it's not immediate because otherwise it looks like impossible and not really reality, so admit that there's a journey to be, to be, to be done, you not like, alone.
1: Yes, exactly. You look like you've been pondering a response as well.
2: Oh, no, I, I, I agree in, in the sense that it's a journey, and I think, um, well, me personally as a consumer, I appreciate that, that level of honesty from a company. Um, It's not saying that you need to kind of open up a whole directory and because you know, in business, there's like trade secrets that help people maintain their business. So I I understand that part, but I think, you know, just opening up to how things are made, um, I guess taking accountability for the fact that you're using a material that might not be 100% sustainable, but then, you know, giving your customer the, the choice to decide whether you know, your justification for using it is right or, or wrong for them. I think that's important because I think no one can be 100% sustainable, but um, you know, it's important to kind of show people or, or um, open up and let them know what it is that you're doing as a company to kind of move us all in, in the right direction.
1: Yeah. Do you think this is a real realistic expectation for us to have from companies, Florian? Mm,
5: I I think it is because I think most of the companies were just trained for decades and centuries <laughs> to to hide things and to 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 um, protect their own their own business. But um, yeah, with the global supply chains and new challenges. Um, as uh, so said, um, they have to open up, and now it's um, a big task for for them to to find out. Okay, what what can I, um, what can I show, what can I share, and what sh- should I hide? As you said, it's not about opening up completely. It's really to uh, about finding the part that, uh, that that you can share, and it helps because not not everything would help in that process. Uh, you have to find the right. Um,
3: yeah, pass. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, we need to be realistic. Realistic, you know, uh, just, just giving another example about food. You know, when you go to a restaurant, actually, it is more a, a matter of trust. I, I don't know, I mean, who of you want to go in a restaurant, go first to check every single, uh, in the kitchen, if it's good, if it's not, and the forks, if I wash it or not. So you go in, in a restaurant because you trust. You know, so that's why there is the Michelin stars or whatever it is. Uh, so I don't, I don't believe that, that this kind of transparency open the doors, you know. It's, it's what we want. Honestly, I don't want to go in a, in a factory. There's a manufacturing my, my shooting. I want to go in a nice store in Monte Napoleone and live the experience. But at the same time, I need to trust. So that's why now a lot of certifications are... Uh, now is the the moment of to certificate everything you know the fiber the quality uh, the the blue sign so that's that 's probably the the path you know for uh, uh, transparency i i don 't trust you know me as a consumer i want I want to know. Uh, and I want to go in the factory where that shoes is, is made to check if it's got, I want to trust the brands. I want to talk to the waiter at the restaurant. I don't want to go in the kitchen and talk to who is washing, the, if he washes or not. You know, so it's more a matter of trust. And I can tell you that uh, now the certifications are helping in this sense. So the key is not opening the doors, but since that, to be more successful in terms of keeping your lifestyle as a brand is work more on certifications. And building
1: authenticity, ultimately, yeah. as, as you've mentioned.
2: Even
3: on the la- labelling. Labelling, labelling. Yeah.
2: yeah. Then the consumer can actually decide if they want to wear something that's like mixed with recycled polyester or, you know, they have the choice. Yeah. But I think. Um, it's when things are not labelled correctly, and even um, some brands that have like a QR code on it. I've got a Stone Island jacket, and I've, I've read like um, the in-depth information about the material that I'm wearing. I, I quite like that as a consumer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like the trust exercise. You know, no yeah. one wants to fall with no one back to support them. Whether it be a consumer making choices or a brand deciding to invest uh, in, in a collaboration with a designer. Yeah. You can't. You can't do anything if you don't trust that someone will be there to catch yeah. you found. Yeah. So no,
3: yeah, if if the fish is frozen or fresh, <laughs> no, that's what you want to know. You don't want yeah. to go to the fisherman and ask when did you fish, yeah. when when did you go, you know. So yeah, definitely, it's a matter of trust. Yeah,
1: great so example. One
4: things I guess it's not just focusing onto the materials and this part, but also on the process, exactly. because otherwise we miss a big elephant in the room. The human element. Because yeah. how the things is made is how the process is made who did the job, it's an important part of the process. So of course the responsibility of the brand is to ch- choose the right process and, uh, and don't go just for checking, okay this is recycled polyester, I'm fine. Uh, it's made that, in that a bad way. That's not, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. not the point, yeah. 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 This yeah. is the responsibility of the brand, this, a is posi- of yeah. the and this is the responsibility of the manufacturing part.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty clear. It's time for us to get to work, right? Back to work, all of us. Um, We'd like to open up the floor for questions from the audience. So uh, if any of you would like to take the lead, that would be great.
5: Uh, Hi, Uh, I think it's really great presentation, but I think one very important factor you never touch is the price. Because if you see in the past years, like the the, the fastest growing brands are the fast fashion brands like Primark for example. So do you see that collaboration and co-design the supply chain can positively contribute to optimize the cost in order to make a sustainable solution more affordable or more accessible for normal consumers?
1: Excellent question.
2: I think from my experience, the cost, like that's always something, I might put something in the range and I'm always like, how do we get it cheaper? And then the solution is always that we need more, more volumes of it. So I do think craft and expertise, um, well, it, it does cost money. So there's also that education around, would you would you buy 102 pound T-shirts or would you save your money and invest in something that's, of quality, I think that's also important because I do think just buying quick and throwing away, um, the amount of times you might do that, you might as well invest in one thing that lasts a long time. So I do think, um, you know, a lot of high craft things are made in smaller volumes, which means that they cost more money, yeah.
4: It's a cultural shift in the end user because it's what he said. I would rather go for something that has added value instead of 10 things that I don't really need, but, I, but the consumer feels that it's never, never uh, contemporary to the world that is changing, so you always have this desire for something new because you don't feel that you are, you are, you are up to date, so you want something more updated, but it's actually, if you perhaps shift to the value, you really will you will have something that represents you and that it's ne- that is valuable for the money that you pay, yeah. because it's crafted in a proper way and designed in a proper way.
2: I think a lot about. Someone said to me, to to make things cheaper or to make more money, you're always stepping on the neck of someone um, underneath you. Down the you. line. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's something that sticks with me when I think about that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I also think about the durability question, right? I think of this phrase, you know, I'm not rich enough to buy cheap shoes, for example, because if uh, you, you don't trust the durability of a product, why would you invest in it? You know, it's one thing to say, okay, we love the creativity of a product or we love the aesthetic of a product, but I think for people who, are, who have to be concerned about affordability, uh, durability is most important of all. They have, they have to trust that something will last them in order to justify maybe spending a bit more on a product. So that seems also like it's a very important uh, part of the equation here as well.
3: Yeah, we have to take in consideration also that uh, uh, we are not all rich, right. you, know? you know? So there is a budget. I mean, I have a, I have a 16 years old son, and uh, he he just can't afford a T-shirt at at Zara, you know. He cannot go to Zenia and buy a yeah. two hundred and fifty T-shirt. Yeah. So we need to take care. Also, we need to take in consideration also that we always need that kind of range in terms of of uh, of uh, of pricing. Uh, collaboration can low down the prices. Well, it is like. Uh, Uh, You know, uh, the more you put uh, the people in the room, uh, you know, uh, everyone is for business. I mean, business company means that you have to make money. Otherwise, you are like Womack, we are no profit, no problem, Uh, but uh, uh, you have to make business. What is important is uh, if you collaborate all together, you can share these these margins, you know, but uh, I think that quality costs anyway, you know, so uh, it depends. It's, it's a big, it's, it's a very difficult question.
5: But thank you for it. <laughs> First. I, think, I, think, I think that collaboration can,
3: can help, um,
5: uh, at least to a certain extent, because um, if there's a normal supply chain where each and everybody just adds up their margin and it's hidden, but if you are working together on one goal and um, let's say the, the target price is, is fixed, each and everybody can decide, okay, how can I fit in that? Um, group of people working on the, same, uh, on the same target, for example. And you can be more efficient, as you say, bring more people together in the same room, but for a shorter time. Um, you can spare iteration cycles. So I think it can help, yeah.
3: No, I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, you can you can educate, of course, the consumer that the Xenia t-shirt probably is long lasting for years because of the quality, Xenia or whatever, you know. Uh, but if you don't have 250 euros in your pocket, you cannot buy, you know, <laughs> so we need probably to think how to help those kind of brands that are selling uh, uh, products at lower price, how to be more responsible. Uh, you know, educate the consumer how to, uh, you know, um, make the garments more circular. You know, in order for not for be more responsible. So probably what 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 we have to do. I mean, we cannot change change the price cost. You know, uh, but we can help the consumer and the brands in be more responsible. That's what we can do.
1: Absolutely. Would anyone like to uh, follow suit with a question?
3: Uh, I guess my question is about um, the
4: manufacturing techniques. So obviously knitting and weaving has been around for a long time as we can see by these beautiful tapestries. Um, But have we hit like peak uh, knit tech? I guess like what would be the next innovation in processing? Um, Is it to, let's say maybe shrink the scale, make them more efficient, make them faster? Um, I don't know who can answer that question. (laughs) What's the next innovation basically in
5: manufacturing? I think in manufacturing it's really, as you say, we are, it's kind of a peak, <laughs> so it's just little steps that you can you can add on, add on at, at, at that point, but um, still there is uh, new innovations. You can sometimes maybe you can even interchange the textile process. I mean, Nike has shown that uh, it might be possible to use non-wovens, even for garments. Um, so there's always, um, always something new coming up, but in the and the old uh, kind of technologies, I think there's only little, um, um, yeah, adjustments and uh, enhancement you can add. Great, thank you. Uh, so I had a question about uh, collaboration. Um, I think uh, uh, deciding to collaborate is also a decision about what it is actually that you insource, what it is that you will need to have within your company and what are like activities that you can actually outsource. So um, I'm really interested to hear a little bit maybe from you, but also from Francisco maybe or from Sol, uh, how you make decisions like this. So what it is that is that you insource, that you do yourself and what it is that you outsource and uh, how do factors like... Uh, knowledge, but also quality, sustainability, how do they factor into this uh, decision?
2: My decisions around collaboration, uh, it starts from the fact that I can't do everything myself in-house. We're quite a small team. So, you know... If if it comes to sewing a sample, I was trained to sew samples. I, I can do that. But when we get into bonding or, you know, technologies that we just physically can't do in the studio, you know, a good example is D-House. Um, we'd never have been able to do that if we hadn't been able to collaborate. Um, so there's that point. But then there's also things like, you know, um, the way I work with Knitwear Lab, for example, um, you know, I, I have a, a knowledge around knitwear, but, um, you know, their expertise is in knitwear. So, you know, helping you find the right material that, that will work for your product, all of that stuff, you, you physically, you, you wouldn't know that. So, um, you know, collaboration is really essential in 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 that regards, but then just anything new that you want to develop, you have to collaborate because, you know, you you can't um, design a new collection and produce everything yourself. And you have to kind of, um, you know, trust and call upon people external to yourself or it's hard to kind of grow your business. It's it's essential, I think,
3: to be able to collaborate. Yeah if i can add i mean to 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 collaborate you know for creating this this uh, collaboration it is important that you have the right people first you know yeah. because uh, no one knows everything uh, for example in a in a, in volmark we have um, three departments three people and uh, one is on marketing one is on products and one is uh, in testing and licensing you know so uh, uh, these three people, these, these the, the departments, they don't know everything, but their job is to go in the market, to go in the system and understand who is the best person for, for doing what, what we need. You know, so what is important is, is the person that you have inside is not, uh, you know. And uh, I'll just give you an, an example. We did a great collaboration with Max Mara a uh, few, few years ago. Uh, so Max Mara wanted to have uh, came, I mean, we are in a great relationship with the, with the group and they were looking for uh, creating a collection that was, uh, let's say, denim-oriented, you know? But Max Mara, they, they, don't, they, they don't have this, this kind of knowledge on denim. They are very drapey, they are very, you know? And so we were working together and, uh, and, and they asked, uh, what, what do you think that we could do, you know? I mean, not because they don't know what to do, but they didn't know the knowledge. And so we investigated in, into the suppliers. Uh, we in, investigated you know, like in the house, you know, which, which kind of technologies, uh, uh, finishing and so on. And we put together a team that was not existing with the Max Mara, with, us, with, um, with a Weaver, uh, with uh, technology finishing. And we created this team all together. We put these people at, at one table and we created this amazing collection in 1% renewable Merino wool, looked like a denim fit, uh, denim look, but it was like denim, but it was in 100% Merino wool, sustainable, renewable, whatever. But it happened be, because there was one person that was looking for all the, you know, specialties out of, of the company. So nothing is all inside. I think that to have in companies, or in brands such a small team that can make this kind of research because now it's more about capsule collection, customization, uh, collaboration. Uh, So I don't see many brands having these uh, these small teams able to look for opportunities. And uh, it worked, so it's a case history and uh, we did the same also with Prada uh, on the project that we are working out uh, on the on the American Cup. You know, I mean, we're talking about Prada. Prada is one of the biggest group worldwide. It's number one. It's Italian, <laughs> and um, and uh, uh, so we developed together with them, with the Prada group, uh, the uniforms for uh, uh, the um, Lunarosa Rossa American Cup and actually uh, we help we found some uh, knowledge that the product group was didn't have we were very su- su- surprised but because company they don't know everything they need help so the connection the collaboration brings added value and uh, i think that just to give an answer i mean it's not outsourcing insourcing is to have the right people the right people that is looking outside of the company not just inside in the company that's probably a key factor. I hope I answered. Wonderfully put,
1: yeah, thank you so much. So I think we've concluded our time here today. I want to thank you all so much for, for being here, for having this conversation with me. I think that it's a, it's a great push forward and I hope that you all leave today feeling that like you've learned something that you can take back to your own operations and uh, really make the textile industry a more equitable and fair <laughs> place. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you.
0: Thank you for your time listening to the elephant in the room straight from Milan Design Week. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got some pointers out of it and uh, see you next time to the next episodes. Speak later.